This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is uh, Jay Horowitz with a very, very special edition of the Amazing Mental Alumni Podcast. Um, we're, it's my honor to have on this call uh, Carol Geese, uh, who's... Uh, been a Mets family, been a Mets fans for a long time. Uh, Carol uh, and her three boys, uh, Tommy, Bobby, and Ronnie, with the 921 game against the Pirate, against the uh, the Braves. You know, Sue Lucci, uh, now vice president of with the Mets. Um, tw- 20 years ago, Sue and Kevin McCarthy, her cohort, helped run the um, the recovery area in the parking lot, helped get supplies down to ground zero. And two of the key members of 2001 team, you know, John Franco and Todd Zeal. It's really, it was really hard to believe, guys, ladies, that, you know, 9 11 is, uh, is happened 20 years ago. And as we approach the 20th anniversary at 9 21, we play the Yankees at City Field. I just wondered, you know, 20 years after, what are, what are everybody's emotions now? So let me start with you, Sue, if I could. What? You know, 20 years ago, what do you think your emotions going to be that night when we play the Yankees? It's going to be a whirlwind. Uh, every year it is when we uh, we are at home. So uh, being home on the uh, September 11th this year is huge. And ironically, we're playing the Yankees. So uh, I think that brings a little special meaning to it. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of New Yorkers. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a very emotional, emotional night. And uh, I, I think for all of us, I, I know I speak for myself when I say this, that uh, every year on this day, uh, I remember the minutes um, from the time the first plane hit. And I, I relive that in my mind every every year. And I, I try to do the same thing every year. Um, so I, I'm sure Carol can uh, relate to that more than anybody on this uh, call. Carol, your husband, Ronnie, was a fireman from... Squad 288 in Manhattan. Manhattan, yeah. 288 in Massachusetts, right? Massachusetts Road. I mean, what, um, I mean, are we gigantic Mets fans? You've always found solace in going to Shea and to City Field. You know, what made you come to that first night, you know, know, like two weeks after the attacks? What made you come there with your boys? It was a discussion I had with the three boys. I wouldn't make the decision alone. And the three of them and myself decided that we were such huge Met fans and Ronnie was, and we all just felt like that's where he thought we should be that night for the first game, the Mets, our favorite all time team. It was a place we would go, you know, whenever we were family and we had the chance to be there at that time at Shea Stadium. So it was just a tough decision, but a great decision. I got to say that, you know, all of Carol's sons, uh, went on to be firemen was a great tribute to their father. Johnny, let me ask you, looking back, what's your, what do you remember most about that week after the attacks? I just remember how the, the whole entire uh, 
meta organization from the front office to the ground crew to the office workers to my teammates and, and uh, everyone else at, at, at Shea Stadium had gotten involved and in trying to help with the recovery efforts. Obviously, you know, we were in the parking lot unloading uh, tractor trailers from, uh, after our workouts and how everybody came together and everybody was pulling and everybody wanted to do the same thing is try to help as much as we can. Uh, I know, speaking for myself, I know Todd feels the same way that if we could have went down to ground zero and pick up rocks and, 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 and things to help with the recovery, I think we would have been able to do that. Uh, and that's what I remember most about how everybody came together as one, you know, during those tough times, New Yorkers and, and, and come together as one big family to help each other. Todd, I know you work in SNY now and you walk, walk to work every day. You walk right past ground zero on the way to work. As you make that walk every day, what do you, Give a flashback 20 years. What do you remember? Um, yeah, I get to see the building. Um, and the pool is right outside the studio window, which is a great reminder. I think Johnny's right down here as well. I hear him yelling at me when I walk by once in a while um, from the streets. But um, so every time you go past the pools or you see Freedom Tower or um, you're just in that general area, you have no um, choice but to kind of remember why it's built, what's it, the tribute for, and um, you know, as a native California guy, Jay, obviously as you well know, um, you know, I think the, the way we unified as a team, the way we unified as a city, just the, um, you know, the things that happened after 9-11 to watch the city sort of come together and have baseball at least be a small part of it is why I um, really feel like, you know, the Mets of, of the 11 teams that I was with um, is the biggest part of my sort of baseball soul because uh, of that, that experience in New York. We had the World Series the year before, followed by the recovery efforts in, um, after 9-11, and that just sort of solidified me as a, as a New Yorker, even if it's a New Yorker by you know, transplant. So let me ask you this. How did the recovery area start? Did, you know, we, we were in Pittsburgh, you know, could you walk me through like how this got set in motion and how it came to be? Yes. Um, we were at uh, Shea Stadium when the, the first plane hit and then the second plane hit and uh, life as we know it changed. And we have a uh, precinct which we have one here at City Field, but we had one at Chase Stadium where there's actual police precinct. And they reached out to my boss at the time, Kevin McCarthy, and expressed the need to bring the wounded to Shea Stadium to and have Shea Stadium as a triage center. So um, the first thing we did was we, we went up to the bathrooms throughout the ballpark because that's where we used to um, store the stretchers for when somebody, when a fan was injured, that's where the EMS would grab the stretcher from. So we actually went through all the levels of the ballpark, collecting the stretchers from the bathrooms and bringing them down on the first aid scooter um, to help. And there was ambulances. There had to be at least 45 ambulances lined up in the parking lot, getting ready to go down to ground zero to bring back the injured. And uh, as we all know, as the time went on, that changed. And, and the next call we got was they wanted to use Shea Stadium as a morgue to bring the bodies there to 
identify them. So it, it was constantly changing. And that was just within the first 12 hours of everything happening. Um, when the reality was that there are no survivors there, there it's not a, um, an effort to rescue people anymore. And, and, and it was the harsh reality of it. And then eventually that changed to, we're not going to use Shea Stadium. They're going to use the tennis center because there's an ice rink there. And if you just think about what I just said, it's to think about that is, is just unbelievable. Something I never thought in my workplace would be something I was dealing with, but all of the world was dealing with. And, and Carol, my deepest regards for you, um, just you. sitting here talking and having someone who's lost a direct uh, member it is terrible. And uh, thank you for your sacrifice and for your kids' uh, sacrifice. Thank you for all your efforts. Thank you. Carol, let me as you go back. You always told me that when Mike hit the home run against the Braves, that was the first time that you and your family had smiled in a couple of days. Oh, yeah, for sure. Never thought I would see my boys smile. Um, they were living such a horror. One of my sons put his fist through a door in the house and ran out of the house. Um, none of them just clammed up and never talked. So when we went there, you know, we sat quietly through the game. You know, at the one point, uh, Brian Jordan came over to me and put a little bit of a smile on my face. But when Mike Piazza hit that ball, to see my three sons jumping up and down, smiling and cheering, the only way I could describe it was like the light at the end of the tunnel was getting closer. I knew we were going to be able to move on a bit. Um, it wasn't always going to be crying and tears and frustration and anger and all the other emotions that the three boys and I went through. They smiled. It was the most wonderful feeling as a mom to witness. It really Carol, was. Yes. The, while you're talking, I, I was telling Jay prior to this call and for the, anybody who's watching this podcast, I, I have an envelope full of newspaper clippings and, and uh, things from 9-11. And because I was at the relief effort, I used to save the newspapers and read them later on. But mm -hmm. I, I came across this and this is probably gonna strike a nerve, but I, I just want the people watching to uh, to uh, see this. And this is, this is Carol with her three sons in the stands on September 21st. And you can see the, the sorrow. It's hanging on the wall in my house. There you go. So, um, um, that I was how we that. felt. Yeah. That was how we were pretty much all the time until that ball got hit. It was always the, the eyes down, the sad look, the holding one another. And, you know, it started out that we were waiting for um, recovery. We were waiting and waiting and waiting. I happened to go down to ground zero and one, either Johnny or Todd said something about um, wanting to go down and lift the rocks and stuff. I did that. I went down with my community priest and my brother and some of the guys from my husband's company and lifted rocks and put them in a bucket to save, just to have something from there. That's what told me I was a widow. That was the first day I was ever able to even use that word, seeing that. And, you know, all along at my house, they were saying, oh, there's voids. You know, they're down there smoking cigarettes or drinking coffee and just waiting to be recovered. Yeah. Once I saw it and was part of it, it wasn't recovery anymore. It was, yeah. you know, finding them. And I was fortunate enough that Ronnie was found on December 7th. But yeah. it, God bless you and the kids. Hey, Todd and 
Johnny, let me ask you this. What what made that team, 2001 team, get it? You know, I mean, I've been in a game like you guys for a long time, and when a tragedy hits to a man, Todd and, and, and Johnny and all the other guys, it wasn't anything we didn't do. But what, it, what is it about the makeup of that team that we were able to do what we did back then? You, Johnny, who wants to go first? Yeah, Todd, you go. I'll follow. Um, well, I would say, Jay, that it's hard to measure what any team will do in a moment like that until that moment arises. So um, I don't know that we were special in any way um, until those circumstances arose, but I do know that we had, you know, our, our sort of heart and soul, and not just because he's on here, I've told you this before, but um, was sort of Johnny's New York spirit. And um, we knew that there was direct connectivity um, with Johnny. We knew that there was going to be um, things that he was going to have to go through that some of us from other parts of the country, even though we were a part of this sort of team and brotherhood, weren't going to have the same direct effect as Johnny. So I think that galvanized us a, a bit. I think Bobby V did a great job of making sure that we felt like um, we were needed. There was, because I think I've mentioned this before that um, right after um, the attacks, I think my personal feeling was helplessness as much as anything. I think we didn't feel like, you know, a couple of baseball players had any right being in, um, you know, the, the area where there was grieving widows and kids and firefighters that were still trying to go in and, and find, you know, some remnants of their brothers. Can I interrupt you a second, Todd? Yeah, I was just going to say, but you guys, you guys made it. Um, as soon as we saw the faces on the guys doing it, we knew that the Mets were sort of that. Uh, there was some reminder of something different, something better, something to get your mind away from it. And then I think we really felt galvanized as a team to try to do whatever we could um, to make some bit of difference. And yeah, so go ahead, Gil. You guys made a tremendous difference. And I hope you guys never forget that. The New York Mets, Mike Piazza hit the ball, yes, but smiles on my children's face. But you all were just so, all that you did with the rescue and the stuff in the parking lot, seeing you at different events, coming to all the firehouses was so tremendous for all of us. It gave us something to look forward to. You know, Jay would call me and say, listen, Carol, some of the guys, in fact, I think, Todd, you did come to 288, didn't you? Yeah. I thought so. Yeah, I'm sure he did. It's and he'd say, the guys are coming to 288. Why don't you and the boys come in? That could have been on a Tuesday. And we were so excited looking forward to Thursday to see you guys. It was, you know, you guys were taking time out of your days away from your family to help us through the most horrific experience we could go through. So when you say it was a small part, it was a tremendous part of us healing. Tremendous. Okay. Johnny, what do you got to say? I mean, you know, just to echo off of Todd, uh, you know, the guys knew I was born and raised in New York. You know, Al from New Jersey. Uh, I had friends who were firemen that we lost in the, in the building also. And, you know, it was like a punch in the stomach to me. And uh, just to try to do what I can do. 
or to help out in any way. But that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And the yeah. picture I showed before was of uh, John on the back of a truck um, with just regular people. Yeah. That's what I said, regular people. So tell me, how did it work out with the players? How did you work with Bobby V to organize? We, I guess I remember we would work out in the mornings and go out there in the afternoons and, and spend all day or all night there. How did that setup work? Um, so, you know, when the, when the team came back from uh, Pittsburgh, they came right to the parking lot and, and wanted to help. And, you know, their job was to play baseball. So you guys still had to have batting practice and do stuff like that. But it was turned so that when the guys were doing batting practice, the guys that were coming from the city, the firefighters, the volunteers that had traveled from Toronto, Virginia, um, all came to city uh, to Shea stadium, sorry, to, uh, to really live there for the week that we were doing it, the 10 days. Um, these guys were out taking BP, but the volunteers and the firefighters all came out to the batting cage on the field and, and watched these guys uh, stretch and work out and, as Carol said, it was huge. You know, at first, like, why would somebody want to go see somebody play baseball on the field when they're at uh, the towers, you know, digging? But it was their a little, their minds could get shut off for a few minutes. And it could have just been five minutes, but that's what these guys did. You know, they, they brought relief, not in a form of doing stuff. They brought relief to the minds for the volunteers that were at City uh, Shea Stadium taking a break. And, and these guys were forever grateful that we're there. Um, I had many, uh, many volunteers tell me how great it was. And uh, when that was over, the guys would go out and I don't believe they changed their clothes. I'm pretty sure some of the pictures I have here, they're in the uniforms um, out in the parking lot, helping lift boxes. And, you know, they weren't, they weren't bombarded for autographs. They were just another person standing next to the volunteers in the parking lot. And you don't think you'd ever see that, but the, everybody became one. It didn't matter what you did for a living. Right. It didn't matter where you came from. Exactly. It was just a constant um, effort to help. And, uh, you know, Bobby V was running the, we had a whole section of clothing that we were trying to figure out how to sort. And I remember him taking charge of that whole area and uh, managing it with a, a bunch of volunteers. So, you know, hey, hey, Johnny, talk a little Jay, bit about Jay, Russ. Jay, I, I, I would tell you this: that that and Todd would, would probably have my back on this. That every guy on that team, there wasn't one guy that said no that wanted to go out and, and no, not do not their share. Uh, and and we stood out there, like Sue said, we were in our uniforms and we didn't care you know, what time we, we lost track of time. We weren't we weren't there for an hour and then leave. We were there for hours. And that team, the closeness of that team, uh, everybody was pulling for each other, but we were pulling for the city of New York because we felt that obviously playing for the Mets, we were part of New York City. And like I said earlier, we wanted to do as much as we can. And for those guys, like Todd is a California guy, and we had guys from Florida. Uh, New York was their home, and they made a New York their home for that six months or whatever the season was. And we all became New Yorkers uh, during that time. And for those guys, uh, we'll always be connected and the closeness and, and we'll never forget each other because it was a brotherhood, just like the, the fire department and the police department have a brotherhood. This is, a, this is our brotherhood, the 9-11 team that uh, contributes so much. And I'm so proud to say that these guys are my teammates. Yeah, I agree, John. John, talk a little bit about Rusty Staub. And I, you and Todd, I guess, we, how 
funnel this, that we donated a, a day salary to Rusty's Foundation. You want to talk about how that came about, Police and Firemen's Widows Association? You know, just went around. It was a that's the least we could do. We just went around and we thought about what what else can we do, and we decided to to donate a day salary. But I think the the most important thing that we wanted to do was when we wore those hats, representing the fire department, police department, all the emergency workers. And awesome. I remember, yeah, I remember that uh, when we went to Pittsburgh right after that, and the commissioner's office said we couldn't wear those hats, and that Todd was our player rep, and. Uh, I remember to a man, he said that, uh, you know, they're going to find us. And we said, well, they can find us. We're not taking the hats off. And Todd did a great job. Uh, I was the assistant rep, but I know Todd was on the phone and uh, doing a great job. And Mr. Wupon also jumped in and, uh, to help out uh, to make sure that we were wearing those hats. And we, were felt, we felt very proud uh, to be wearing those hats for the rest of the season. And I still say today that they should allow the guys to wear those hats during uh, the 9-11 every year. Todd, talk a little about it. He was so involved with that, about the how, how the hat thing came about. Um, the hat thing just really came about from circumstance when um, when we would do things as a team or individually. Um, a lot of times we'd bring some sort of Mets, um, you know, some sort of Mets memorabilia, something. Uh, when we go to the firehouse and we went down to ground zero and I traded a hat for a hat and it was a simple gesture at the time, but um, I wore it, I think at one of the practices and we just started talking about it. And all of us said, Hey, I think it'd be great if we were able to wear these things. We ordered them uh, and got hats from all the different, um, you know, all, all the different rescue workers. And then um, like Johnny said, um, when we got them, I mean, I got the memo because I was the player rep and I ended up being the guy quoted because I was the player rep, but, um, it was a hundred percent, uh, everybody had the same feeling, which when they, you know, the commissioner's office sent a memo saying that it doesn't fit with, you know, the standard uniform protocol and we're not allowed to wear the, um, hats and then kind of a cease and desist. And, um, I, I think that just strengthened our conviction even more. We said, I mean, I was the one quoted, but it was a hundred percent. Like if they're, if they don't think we're going to wear these hats, they can come down here and try and take them off, take them off our heads. I think is what was quoted. And that was the way we felt. And then it made it clear that it wasn't just the first game in Pittsburgh that we were wearing. And this was, this was our hat for the rest of that season. And um, it was something that, you know, I'll never forget on the September 21 day is, when all the rescue workers' families and rescue workers were lined up on the field prior to the game and, and we had those hats. There was such a sense of connectivity and feeling of pride doing that that I think that, um, you know, just made it uh, worth every, every bit of, uh, you know, whatever the heat we got, which was really ridiculous. And to Johnny's point, I think that'd be a great tribute to allow those hats to be worn every 9-11. I have to so what do you, Cal, what do you, do you remember about the ceremonies at all with the singing and the, yeah, uh, the bagpipes? I do, the big flag and marching out, the bagpipes, uh, Liza Minnelli. I remember all of it. It's, it's crazy how as I'm getting older, the memory's getting really bad, but. <laughs> Tell me about it, Carol. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> but Tell me about it. 
I could close my eyes now and still see some of the things from that day. I just, it was magnificent. I don't think the Mets could have done it any better. It was respectful. It was a tribute to everybody. It was done with such class and grace and sympathy, I guess you could say. It was it was great. And I agree with Todd Zeal 100%. I think those hats should be worn every 9-11. It meant a lot seeing some of the guys with the FDNY hat on. I think they should be remembered on 9-11. And if the Mets are playing at home, yeah, they should have those hats on. They definitely should. So what do you remember? I think even when they're not home, it's 9-11, you know. What's what's the the phrase? Never forget. Correct. So to me, by wearing those hats, you're not forgetting. I think think one of the the leaders on that team should take charge, grow a pair and say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going to wear this no matter what. I'm sorry. What? Looking back now, we, we get to the, the 20s. What's the one thing to remember about that day? You know, Carol, you start. I mean, you, you, was it the home run? The, you know, when you went home that night, what did you think about? Everything. I remember the two teams shaking hands. Um, the home run, sure, of course, absolutely. I remember. The whole thing from the beginning when you said everybody was marching out on the field and families were on the field and the music, um, just the every inning watching the guys going on and off the field. Um, yeah, that hit was tremendous. That yeah, I do remember that hit. But it wasn't just that that I remembered. I remembered my kids getting there and not being themselves you know we used to go to the met games all smiles and oh can i have this can i have that and that this wasn't that again this was where are we sitting we sat there we waited um it was difficult because there were a lot of cameras on us for some ungodly reason um i don't know how they knew we were sitting where we were but of course i had my husband's shirt on which my children still tease me about um the whole thing, like I said, from the respect from the Atlanta Braves when Brian Jordan came over to me to being asked to come into the dugout and the whole thing, Jay, seeing you that night, just everything that night was just, it's such a fabulous memory to have, you know, from 11 days later, 10 days later, it went from, I'm never going to survive this. Um, I can't do this alone. I don't want to do this alone. Um, my children are never going to be the same to, oh, my God, look, they smiled. Um, they got excited. They're talking about it. They're not just sitting there like zombies. It was a tremendous, tremendous day. And like I said, the Mets did that for me as a mom. It's something I will forever be grateful for from Johnny, to you, to Todd, to every one of you. It's, it wasn't just the Mike Piazza thing. It was all of you. Yeah. Amen. So how about you? What's your fondest memory? You know, as Carol was speaking, I was just thinking when we got word that we were going back to playing baseball, I was livid. <laughs> I did not <laughs> want to play baseball. I wanted to stay in the parking lot and continue to help um, with the relief effort and hearing Carol say that that game was so important to her and, and it, it brought smiles to her kids faces. It, it changes the perspective of why we did play baseball. And I've learned that over the years that 
we are a source of entertainment for folks. And I guess you, we kind of didn't just put the whole thing together. How are you going to play baseball? We, we just had towers crushed in the city by terrorists and, and that's it. Life goes on, right? Whether good, bad, or indifferent, we have to get up every day and move forward. And uh, I'm glad to hear that that game uh, meant that much to you. So Absolutely. as far as I was concerned, it was, um, I think I was just, I barely remember it because I was exhausted and I had hurt my back. Um, and I, I was taking medication because I could barely move my arm. I, I pulled something in my shoulder from moving the pallet jacks around in the parking lot, but. Oh, so um, I was taking a lot of medicine too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah. not the same as you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, but as far as that day, you know, I remember pulling into the parking lot and this is horrible to say, but this was a reality. The, the executive parking lot where the official lot was at Shea was shut at the moment and there was cop cars everywhere. And it was because there was a bomb scare in the parking lot because somebody left a backpack or something on the ground. So everything had stopped. I couldn't get into the parking lot. Um, and that just shows you the alert that everybody was on. Todd, how about you? Sorry, Sue. That's okay. I was just going to say it was just an empty backpack. It wasn't a bomb, but that's the world we live in now since that day. Todd, what do you remember most, Todd? Um, the day of, I, I remember, uh, ironically, um, Sue, that I thought, okay, great. We're going to get back to playing. And mo mostly because I believe so much in the city and, and um, everywhere we would go, people would talk to us and want to feel something different than what they were seeing every day in New York. And the rest of the world was starting to turn that page a little bit. Baseball had resumed. We'd played a couple of games already in Pittsburgh. And so I was excited to get back on the field. I wasn't nervous that it was going to be a target for another um, attack or anything like that, which was a big part of, um, you know, what they were wondering about, whether they could secure a game in New York City and all those things. So I remember going to the ballpark, and I, I've said this to Jay many times, but um, as soon as you get there, you realize this is not like any game you ever have been involved in before and not like one you'll ever be involved in again. This was one day that was going to be unique, and then we had no idea to know how that script was going to be written the way it was, and then – how monumental I think that um, whole day played out. It was smooth. It was um, very patriotic. I, I, I think the, the moment of the, the, the game, aside from Mike's home run, that I remember as well as anything is Liza Minnelli. <laughs> um, New York, New York was so needed in that specific moment. And, you know, I was up in the tunnel and walked out down the tunnel with her and was just listening to her talk. And I was like, Oh my gosh, is she going to be able to pull this off? And she went out there and a switch went on and the way people reacted. And then the chanting of USA, I thought, okay, we, we are definitely in the right place at the right time. And it didn't matter what the outcome of the game was. It didn't feel like baseball anymore. It just felt like something that I still get chills about. Um, I got goosebumps. Being here today. Yeah, me too. <laughs> just talking. Me too, Todd. Johnny, how about you, my friend? Uh, you know, again, you know, coming coming back to play at uh, Shea Stadium for the first game, uh, wasn't sure, but 
if it was the right thing to do, you know, playing back here in the city. But uh, when I got to the ballpark and seeing all the police presence and what was going on, I felt it was probably one of the safest places in the world to be at the time. Uh, but once the game started and when Mike hit that home run, uh, just to see the smiles on the faces of the fans and like Carol said, her, her family, uh, all, the, all the players in the dugout hugging, uh, people crying in the stands, chanting the USA, Liza Minnelli. I, I thought it was like, you know, like a storybook ending. It was great. The one thing that I'll never forget was that, you know what, we pulled together. And I was so happy that uh, we won the game uh, to, to come out on top. And I think the Braves were probably happy that we won the game too. I think underneath, they were all kind of pulling for us to win that game. So it was very important for us to get back and give back. But, you know, at that particular game, we put a small Band-Aid on a big wound. And for three hours, we put smiles on New Yorkers' face. And then after that three hours, everybody went back to uh, taking the baby, baby steps to recovery. And I think we baseball was part of those baby steps to recover. And baseball played a big part in the recovery. And you know, as, uh, as we said earlier, that the... And meant to get sports back. And when the president and, 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 and Mayor Giuliani said, let's get back to some normalcy, that's when we knew that uh, we were taking the baby steps. But the one thing that I keep telling people is uh, just never forget. Never forget about 9-11 because it's here forever and we will never forget that. Let me say this. I've been in baseball 42 years and you know, I was fortunate enough to get a <laughs> ring in 86. But for me, the highlight of my career, whatever it is, it's been associated with the 2001 team. I have to start to cry again, so forgive me. <laughs> uh, you know, a great group of guys, a great group of guys rose to the occasion, and we really did a lot of good. And I'm really very proud to have been a small part of that team. And, and I just wanted to thank you know, Kyle, Sue, Johnny, and Tom for being a part of this. And, and like I said, never forget. And, be a lot of memories on the 21st when we play the Yankees at City Field. And uh, again, thank you all for being a part of this. It's my pleasure to have you on and uh, hope to see everybody soon. Thank you, Jay. Uh, thanks, Jay. Nice, thanks, guys. everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.